You are listening to As a Woman, episode 58, Amenorrhea. Amenorrhea is when you don't have periods. Join me as I talk about the reasons why this could be happening, what a normal evaluation is, and when you should seek help. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford, to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition, while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hi, friends. Welcome back to As a woman, we are going to be talking about amenorrhea, which is a topic I really like. One, because it's intellectually challenging for a physician. But I'm going to give a huge disclaimer here. I see a lot of patients who have not been evaluated correctly by their primary care doctor. So this means that women who actually went somewhere, gave their symptoms, and nothing appropriate was done, or actually the inappropriate thing was done, So a huge point of this episode is to empower you, if you or somebody you know is struggling with this, to be able to appropriately advocate for yourself and seek help. Very often, some of my women with amenorrhea, I am the third or fourth doctor they've seen. And that's because I'm a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility physician. That's REI. I do all the hormones that happen with the reproductive system and infertility. But in my clinical practice, I do tons of infertility. And so sometimes it's hard for patients to figure out, I am the right person for this. Sometimes they end up with endocrinology, their OBGYN, just their PCP. And everybody's training is a little different and everybody's comfort with this is a little different. But REIs are the expert in the reproductive system and the reproductive hormones. So when in doubt, come see me or see one of my colleagues. So to be simple, amenorrhea means absence of periods or absence of menses. So this is when you are not having a period. This is in contrast to irregular periods where you are getting periods, but they come irregularly. And you can have two different types of amenorrhea. So there is primary and secondary amenorrhea. Primary amenorrhea means you've never had a period. So I have some young women who come to see me in their teenage years because they've never had a period. And secondary amenorrhea means that Previously, you had periods, but now you don't. I'm going to focus mostly on secondary amenorrhea because that is what I see the most, but I want to touch on primary amenorrhea. So first of all, primary amenorrhea also has some overlap with delayed puberty. So the definition depends on if you have started to develop secondary sex characteristics and just don't have a period, or have you not even developed sex characteristics. So what does that mean? That means typically within two years of growing breasts and pubic hair, women are going to start their period. So if you have had growth and secondary sex characteristics, but you have not started a period by age 15 or 16, you're usually coming to me for an evaluation. However, if you have not had breast development or sexual hair development, and you are the age of 13 or 14, when that normally has happened, then you should come see me at that stage because that is abnormal. And one thing to understand as we are starting this is that there are different systems in play in order to have a period. In order to have a period, your brain has to send out hormones. The hormones come from the pituitary gland, FSH and LH. So follicle stimulating hormone is what stimulates a follicle to grow. 
FSH is released from the pituitary gland and it is told to do so by GnRH or gonadotropin releasing hormone, which is secreted by the hypothalamus. So when puberty begins, the brain wakes up, GnRH is sent to the pituitary gland to stimulate the release of FSH. FSH then talks to the ovary. So the ovary has to be able to respond, has to interpret a signal, hey, there's FSH, I should grow a follicle, and it has to be able to make estrogen. Once it makes estrogen, that is what stimulates the lining of the uterus to start to grow. But initially what happens is it starts to stimulate breast development. So usually breast development is from about two years of unopposed estrogen exposure, meaning I just have estrogen, I'm not ovulating yet, so there's no progesterone being released. There's no LH being released, just FSH. So brain tells ovary, start making estrogen. Estrogen starts to prime the uterus, but it also starts to grow the breasts. Once you then start ovulating, so the ovaries have to be able to grow an egg and ovulate it, LH tells the ovary to release an egg. That egg is then released. The follicle from which the egg came from makes progesterone, which finalizes breast maturity and then causes you to have a period when you are not pregnant. So the brain has to work, the ovaries have to work, and the uterus or the genital outflow tract has to work. So obstructive causes is another cause of having amenorrhea, meaning your uterus has to connect to the outside of the body or you have to have a uterus. So these are all different causes of why a woman may not get a period, and I'm going to break them down a little bit more. One last note about breast development. It's about two years of unopposed estrogen. This means if you do not have breasts and you go to a doctor, you're age 15, your breasts haven't developed, and a doctor says, here, start taking birth control pills. Completely the wrong thing. Birth control pills contain both estrogen and progesterone, and breasts are supposed to grow from unopposed estrogen. So if you initially grow your breasts in a both estrogen and progesterone environment, you will get a very specific breast abnormality called tubular breasts, and it is hard to correct. So just keep that little caveat in your brain. Once your breasts have grown, then having progesterone or being on birth control pills is no big deal because once you should be ovulating, then it's fine. So the girl who's had at least one period has finalized her breast maturity and can be on birth control pills. Now, when we want to go and evaluate why a woman is not having periods, we're doctors, so we're always going to start with physical exam. So one, do you have breast developed? Number two, do you have your genital organs? So this is sometimes an exam. Sometimes this is with an ultrasound. So when it comes to uterine factors playing a role in amenorrhea, there's two main groups, obstruction and non-obstruction. And obstruction is where you have all the organs you need. Your body's making, aligning, it wants to shut it, but the lining can't come out. And the two most common, one is called an imperfect hymen. So the hymenal opening is just not opened up at all. And so blood is backing up behind it. Classic symptom here is a bluish bulge at the introitus. The second one is called a transverse vaginal septum. So if you go back and listen to the episode about the uterus, you would have heard that the top one third of the vagina, cervix, uterus, fallopian tubes, all come from the same developmental structure, the Mullerian ducts. And the lower two-thirds of the vagina is different, the urogenital sinus. So those two have to actually come together and fuse 
And if there's failure of that canalization after fusion or opening up, then you can get a septum where the outflow tract is not connected. Both of these imperfect hymens and transverse vaginal septums cause obstruction symptoms, pain mostly, because you are having a period, you're having cramps, but the blood can't go anywhere. And so it is backing up. So commonly presents normal sex characteristic development. So ovaries are functioning fine, normal breasts, but you come in with really bad pain and it's often cyclic like a period would be, but nothing's coming out. There's no blood. Now, two other anatomical causes or anatomical abnormalities that can cause lack of periods. One is congenital absence of the uterus. Talked about this more in the uterine episode again, but this is called Mullerian agenesis, complete failure of the Mullerian ducts to develop, Meyer, Rokutansi, Kusterhauser, MRKH, and this often has no other symptoms. Living your life fine, the ovaries come from a different developmental spot, breasts grow like normal, but then there are no periods and no symptoms, no cramps, no obstruction. And what is fascinating is that now these women are candidates for uterine transplants. So that's highly experimental, but an amazing option for a patient population who wants to try to carry a baby when previously the only option was a gestational carrier. And there's one other reason why women may not have a uterus. This is called androgen insensitivity syndrome. It also used to be called testicular feminization. Essentially what this is, is it's a failure of the testosterone receptor or the androgen receptor. And so you are actually born genetically XY or male. You have testes and not ovaries. You end up going through normal early puberty. So you get breast development from conversion of testosterone to estrogen. But there's no secondary sex hair since there's no androgen receptors. And there's no uterus development because uterus development is dependent on XX chromosomes. Very fascinating, but you do not have a uterus. You do not have any of the Mullerian structures. So the upper third of the vagina, uterus, fallopian tubes, those are not there. And there's no ovaries because there are testes. And in fact, because they are undescended, they are at a higher risk to developing into cancer and have to be removed after completion of adult height. Very fascinating. But point is, doctor will order an ultrasound or some type of imaging to see if you have a uterus and also will inquire about obstructive symptoms like pain. Primary amenorrhea can also be caused by just failure of initiation of the hypothalamus, so that's one thing, but also from primary ovarian failure. So sometimes the ovaries go into failure or premature menopause before they ever function. That is determined by blood work. In these instances, the brain is sending out tons of FSH, but the ovaries making no estrogen, they cannot respond. This can be genetic or autoimmune to go into early ovarian failure, and these girls need to be replaced with estrogen. One of the most common causes is Turner syndrome, which is when you only get one X chromosome, and it's associated with a bunch of other abnormalities as well. Fragile X mutation from the FMR1 gene is also a common cause, although less so of primary amenorrhea, but often secondary. So early ovarian failure after normal initiation. But let's dive a little bit more into the woman who had periods and now she does not. So we know for the most part, one thing I'm checking is I highly doubt this is obstructive because if you had periods before, you're not going to develop a transverse septum or an imperfect hymen unless there's been some surgical intervention. So we switch the uterine cause. It could be 
scar tissue inside the uterus. This is called Asherman's from prior procedures inside the uterus, like multiple DNCs or retained placenta from prior pregnancies, or even cervical stenosis from prior abnormal pap smears and having multiple procedures like cones or leaps. So the anatomic causes are much smaller, but they warrant an evaluation. So secondary amenorrhea, number one, anatomic obstruction. Is there anything blocking menses from occurring? Number two, this could be from the brain. Is the brain not sending out the appropriate hormone levels, either GnRH or FSH? So if one of these is not being stimulated, then you're not going to grow an egg or have a period. So your basic work up here, FSH, LH, prolactin, and TSH, which is thyroid-stimulating hormone from the pituitary gland. If the pituitary is making hormones, you will be able to understand it by evaluating those labs in combination with estrogen from the ovary. So FSH should stimulate estradiol from the ovary. If FSH and estradiol are both low, the brain is not sending out hormones. If FSH is high and estradiol is low, the ovaries are not responding to what the brain is sending out. And if FSH is normal, but estrogen is low, ovaries are not responding appropriately. So causes from the brain level, one is thyroid disease. So TSH is made from the pituitary gland to tell the thyroid gland to release thyroid hormone. When your circulating thyroid hormones are low, your TSH will be high because your brain is trying to make more. And if your circulating thyroid hormones are too high, then your brain sends out less. Thyroid disease in both ways can cause amenorrhea, irregular or absent periods. So understanding the difference, it's really confusing. I should do a whole episode just on thyroid disease. But checking a thyroid-stimulating hormone or a TSH will tell us if the brain senses that there is enough circulating thyroid hormone. So that is an appropriate screening test. Again, if TSH is high, the brain is trying to make your body make more thyroid hormone because circulating thyroid hormone is low. That's called hypothyroidism. And if TSH is low, that says that the brain is sensing an abundance of thyroid hormone. So circulating thyroid hormone levels are high. Therefore, TSH is low. And that is hyperthyroidism. Treatment is different for them. Symptoms are different for both of them. But hypothyroidism is much more common. One of the most common causes of hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune thyroiditis. Basically, what this means is it's an autoimmune disease. So the body starts to attack itself. It attacks the cells inside the thyroid gland, and the thyroid gland is not able to function appropriately. You can detect circulating thyroid antibodies in the blood. These have an increased association with miscarriage and other diseases as well. But certainly, thyroid disease is one cause of abnormal periods. High prolactin levels are another. Prolactin is a hormone that's made from the pituitary gland. It is the lactation hormone. So this is what helps you make milk. So a very common symptom, if you're taking a test and someone says they have galacteria or milky breast discharge, in addition to not having periods, they have high prolactin. Now, high prolactin can sometimes be caused by external stimulation, so nipple stimulation or tight sports bras sometimes, or nipple rings or certain medication. There's a lot of medication interactions. But also, you have to rule out a pituitary mass. 
So it's called a prolactinoma, and it is a mass of the prolactin-producing cells inside the pituitary gland that cause high prolactin levels. Now, if this pituitary mass gets really big, it can be called a macroadenoma. It can actually start to compress what's called the optic chiasm. So headaches and bitemporal hemianopsia, meaning the outer parts of your vision field, go away. That's classic from having a mass big enough that it impacts part of the vision field. So that's a worrisome sign. But you don't know unless you look. So most of the time what we'll do if you have a high prolactin is we'll repeat it fasting it in the morning in the follicular phase because that's when you're going to get the most pure value. I will do that if it is a little bit high so that I can see if it normalizes when I take away external stimuli. However, if it's super high or if it doesn't normalize, then I'm getting an MRI of the brain to go and look for a prolactinoma. Prolactinomas can be treated. There's medication that can lower prolactin. If they're super big, sometimes they need surgery. A lot of different things in play there. However, having high prolactin prohibits the brain from sending out enough FSH, and then you're not making estrogen, and then you're not ovulating. And being in a low estrogen-deficient state for a prolonged period of time is not good for you. So you need to be treated in some fashion, either to resume normal ovulation or to replete your estrogen levels while you're waiting for this to normalize. We don't need women being hypoestrogenic, low estrogen levels for prolonged periods of time. Worth noting when we're talking about pituitary masses is you can also have a pituitary infarct. One of the most common ones is something called Sheehan syndrome. This is from acute blood loss, which causes blood to not supply the pituitary gland because you become so acutely anemic in the context that the pituitary gland then starts to have necrosis and will no longer make hormones. Sheehan syndrome specifically is in the setting of postpartum hemorrhage. So you have a baby, you almost bleed to death, need blood transfusions, and the classic symptom is, now I can't breastfeed. You'll also get other symptoms of low estrogen levels, fatigue, weight loss, hair loss. You'll get symptoms from all the pituitary gland hormones being low. So you'll have deficiencies of prolactin, LH and FSH, growth hormone. So truly not being able to make breast milk at all, not just normal difficulties with breastfeeding, I could speak forever on that, but not making any milk in the setting of losing a lot of blood at delivery, that can be extremely problematic and should be evaluated. Similarly, the pituitary gland can get infarcted, high impact trauma or head concussions, something that can shear it. Imagine the pituitary gland like a hanging bag, like a punching bag, hanging from a small supply of blood vessels in the brain. It's kind of dangling there. I don't know why it's like this, but the problem is, is that if that blood supply gets disrupted by trauma or a mass or acute hemorrhage, the pituitary gland is not going to make the hormones that it needs. So concussion or high-impact head trauma Sometimes you can have a sheer injury to the pituitary gland, and it will stop making all the hormones that it needs to make, including FSH and LH. So one of the top symptoms sometimes can be absence of periods. When both FSH and estradiol are low, that means the brain is not sending out hormones, thus the ovary is not sending out hormones. One of the top causes is FHA, functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. Essentially, this means that the brain is not sending out enough GnRH to stimulate the pituitary to make FSH. This is most typically with the extremes of physical, nutritional, or emotional stress. Stress extremes. 
I explain this to patients as a protective mechanism to the body. If we think back when we did not live in the modern world, humans would experience extreme stress, physical exertion, nutritional deficiencies, when it was not a good time to get pregnant. There's a famine, a war, a migration, something going on to raise your cortisol levels, to deplete your calories, to make you expend a ton of energy, something happening that should prohibit pregnancy, thus prohibiting ovulation. In today's world, we see this very differently. There is some type of stressor that tells the brain to shut it off. We really do think that high cortisol level is really important in interrupting this pathway. It also changes how the brain is secreting LH and FSH. But what you typically see is high cortisol levels and usually the top three causes weight loss, exercise, or stress. Weight loss is typically restrictive eating. Anorexia is classic. So the symptoms of anorexia is a refusal to maintain a normal body weight, fear of gaining weight, a distorted body image, and amenorrhea. Typically, you get amenorrhea before the extreme weight loss. So the amenorrhea precedes looking physically like you're anorexic. It can also be seen with bulimia, so episodes of binge eating where you don't have kind of control over what you're eating and then trying to compensate either with extreme exercise or binging, purging behavior. When we come to anorexia, which is more commonly associated with FHA, physical signs, hypotension, so low blood pressure, bradycardia, low heart rate, low body temperature, dry skin, and lanugo, this fine little hair everywhere. The hypothalamus and the pituitary gland are not in sync. Low FSH, low LH, low estrogen, high cortisol levels. So it is really not great. These different things can cause electrolyte abnormalities. You can get hospitalized. It is a very, very serious disease. And even with weight gain, one-third will always remain amenorrheic. You may not get your period back. And spontaneous recovery, so let's say you're able to overcome your eating disorder, it may take you six to eight years to truly recover, at least to get to the point where your periods are going to return. So I often will see people or see young women who had a history of an eating disorder and now they're cured or they're in recovery. However, their periods are still not normal and this is why. And it's really important to say that this prolonged low estrogen level seen with any of these things that I'm talking about when the ovaries are not making estrogen is extremely bad for women. We have an increase in osteoporosis and bone fracture, increase in heart disease, increase in stroke, increase in memory problems and Alzheimer's disease. You need to be replaced with estrogen. Extreme exercise is another thing that can cause the brain to shut off. Similarly, the body's stressed or not getting enough calories. This is most common seen with competitive sports, such as dancing, running, figure skating, gymnastics. And if you are in these sports before menarche, before you start periods, let's think of the competitive gymnast, for example. This can delay the onset of puberty by three years because the body doesn't get to that critical level that it needs to to activate the HPO axis the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. So things don't get activated like they're supposed to. Again, this is low estrogen-related, greater risk of bone disease later on, even though these are athletes that are at high risk for bone fracture. 
And so we need to replace them with estrogen, get the bones protected in some way. One tidbit before I switch gears is there is something called congenital absence of GNRH. So what happens is it's called Kalman syndrome. Your body doesn't make any GNRH. It's there's some migration of the olfactory placode. This is the smell neurons. Take home. If you can't smell and you don't ever start your period, that is classic go to the doctor because you may have this genetic syndrome. The other end of the pathway for this is when the ovaries are not working. So I talked about if the brain is not working appropriately, what if the ovaries are not working appropriately? And there's two main categories here. One is ovarian failure. Ovarian failure can be a cause of both primary or secondary amenorrhea. So I have really young patients who never had a period because their ovaries went into failure from the beginning. And I have young women who had some periods and now they're in their 20s and they're in ovarian failure. That is not normal. That's not a normal age to go through ovarian failure. Classic lab signs in this instance is a very high FSH with a low estradiol. That's classic, meaning the brain is working and says, oh no, there's no estrogen. And it is sending out all the FSH it can. The brain and ovaries are best friends. Remember, they want to work together to keep the body in good homeostasis and making normal estrogen levels. When the brain senses estrogen, sends out less FSH. When the brain doesn't sense estrogen, it sends out more FSH. So if the brain is sending out all the FSH it can, and the ovary has zero estrogen being made, it is in failure. It cannot respond to the brain's signal. This is always sad if it's the case because you're usually coming to see me or see your doctor because you're not having your periods. And I have to tell you, not only are you not having your periods, I need to replace you with hormones to make you lower your risk. And you're not going to have your own genetic child. And that's really hard news. Yes, women with ovarian failure can get pregnant by using donor eggs. So egg donors are amazing, but they can't get pregnant with their own genetics. It's always important to evaluate the causes of why somebody's in ovarian failure, even though most of the time we don't find an answer. There can be genetic etiologies. One common one is fragile X. So this is something that gets worse in each generation. It is a mutation on the X chromosome. And what happens is that you can go into ovarian failure earlier and earlier in subsequent generations. A karyotype is important to look for chromosome disorders. Most common ones include Turner syndrome, a 45X, or Swire syndrome, but these abnormalities should be known. Also, there's autoimmune causes. So what happens there is that the body attacks the ovary. So just like we talked about autoimmune thyroid disease, the body attacks the cells of the ovary, thus depleting the egg count at an early age. Now, detecting that you have a genetic thing or an autoimmune disease, those don't allow us to go fix the problem. It just provides some closure. We do think there's also some environmental component, and there's some compelling studies showing that toxins cause you to go into ovarian failure earlier. Classic is smoking, but likely other environmental toxins as well. And then there is induced ovarian failure. This can be from chemotherapy or radiation. One thing I'll say about this is often these young women get counseled. They had radiation or chemo to try to cure cancer and beat it, and they did, and that's amazing. But now they're left in a state where their fertility may be impacted. Depending on the type of cancer you have and the type of chemotherapy you receive, the risk for going into ovarian failure is dramatically different. 
However, even in women who still resume their periods after their treatment, they have a high likelihood of going into ovarian failure early. That means they may not be rendered infertile right after their treatment, but they likely are not going to make it to the average age of menopause with the egg count that they have remaining. In all of these situations, if the ovary cannot respond to the brain hormones, we have no choice. There's nothing we can give you to make the ovaries respond. Once they are done, it's done. Classic symptoms include hot flashes from the brain sending out hormones from low estrogen levels. So that high FSH is associated with hot flashes and all the low estrogen symptoms. Fatigue, memory loss, difficulty concentrating, low libido, vaginal dryness. That's all associated with low estrogen levels. Women who have premature ovarian failure or premature ovarian insufficiency all need to be replaced with estrogen that can either be in the form of birth control pills or estradiol pills or patches or ring. Depending on what suits you and what's best for you, I have patients using all different types of methods. It's just important that you replace your body. And then, like I said before, if you want to carry a pregnancy, most of the time you can. You just have to have an egg donor source from somebody else. And then there's all of our favorite PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. PCOS is a very complex topic. I have an entire podcast on it. So I encourage you to go listen to it if you want to learn more. In its simplest form, PCOS is when you have a lot of follicles or eggs released from the vault in the ovary every month. And the brain sends out a normal amount of FSH, but it is not enough to get any one follicle to respond. So you get in a state of not ovulating. All these follicles make a little bit of estrogen, so that signal gets muddied to the brain. So the classic labs there are a normal FSH and a normal to low-end estrogen. What you also tend to see is an increase in LH, so we always talk about the flipped LH to FSH ratio, because the pathway from LH to make androgens becomes easy. Thus, women with PCOS tend to have hair abnormalities or acne or high androgen symptoms. PCOS is diagnosed by having these high androgen symptoms, either the symptoms or lab work that proves it, irregular or absent menses, and a very classic look on ultrasound, essentially showing a lot of small eggs outside the ovarian vault. PCOS has different phenotypes. Sometimes it can be reversed with diet changes or weight loss. Sometimes ovulation management and menstrual control is the only option. But still, that is a cause of why some women have PCOS that's so pronounced and profound that they don't just have irregular periods, they truly have absent periods. What I hope you guys have taken away from this episode is that there are so many causes for why somebody shouldn't have a period. The truth is, unless you are purposefully not having a period because you're on hormone contraception. So if you've gotten the Depo-Provera injection, that's the birth control pill shot. If you are using continuous birth control pills where you are skipping the placebo pills and only using active pills, or you have a hormonal IUD in place like Mirena or Skyla or one of those that's secreting progesterone, those are hormonal causes of birth control, and it is normal or common to lose your period on them. That being said, if you are not on any hormonal birth control, you should be having a regular predictable period. If it is not regular and predictable, it is irregular. If it is absent for six months or more, that's amenorrhea. Something is wrong. I have had so many women see so many different doctors complaining of the same vague symptoms, 
and irregular or absent periods is one of them or sometimes not even asked. They're having headaches, hot flashes, vaginal dryness, fatigue, memory problems, and they haven't even had basic labs, FSH, LH, estrogen, thyroid, prolactin. Those are the top five labs that should be checked if your period is abnormal. Now, depending on what those labs show, depending on your symptoms, sometimes other labs should be checked. But those are the classic labs that I check in everybody who is having irregular or absent periods because it is not normal and you should not be suffering. And you may have something that should be treated or can be easily treated. And not treating it may severely impact your health, both right now and your long-term health in the future. Your body is too important to ignore. I know not everybody loves talking about their periods, but living with low estrogen symptoms can severely impact your long-term health. I'm not just talking about fertility here. I am talking about your overall health of your body, how long you live, and what other diseases and conditions you are at risk for. So I'm going to end with a final message. If you or somebody you know has abnormal periods, irregular or absent, please, please, please either come see me, go see another RE, go see an OBGYN. Don't just suffer in silence or alone. You are not alone. We are here to help you. These are some of my favorite types of patients because this is like a hormone puzzle. This is fascinating. I'm putting all the little pieces together and it's really a fun diagnostic challenge for those of us who really love the clinical side of medicine. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, your support of the As Woman podcast means the world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You encourage me to spend time in my closet to keep it going by all the shares, the comments, all the things that I hear from you about this means the world. So thank you. And a last note is if you hear one of the topics in this podcast and you wish I was going to do a whole episode on it, I am going to. Thyroid disease, hypothalamic amenorrhea, PCOS has an episode already, premature ovarian failure. These things deserve their own episode, so I will get to them. Please let me know which ones you want to hear first. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you.